Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. I want to read a scripture before this goes very much further to you. Would you turn in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I, re- I want to read the tag to that song that we just sang. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. It says, for all the promises of God. Everybody say all. All, all the promises of God are in him. In him are yes. And in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. In 2 Corinthians 1, 20, in the expanded Bible, just that first part says this. The yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. The yes of all God's promises are in Christ. And then let me uh, turn over to uh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Come on, it's just a few pages to your left. Is that left? Right, sorry, to your right. Galatians 3. I always have to do this to do right or left. Uh, Look at verse 29. Actually, I'm reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. And it says, and since you've been united, one person excited about the Passion Translation. What's up? (laughs) About reading the Bible. All right. Galatians 3.29. All right, verse 29. And since you've, you've been united in Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Christ... You are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. So all of God's promises belong to you. When, when I grew up, in, I mean, I grew up in church. My, I was born again at the age of six and uh, gave my life to the Lord. And I was basically scared. I mean, I just have to be honest with you. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. How many of you, that was your motivation? I mean, it's all three of you, great. So the rest of you, I guess, made a quality decision. <laughs> the rest of us were scared. And, and, but we, you know, I'm, I've received Jesus as my Lord. That's why I'm so thankful for the Methodist church, because I, that's how I was saved, is they trained my mom how to do evangelism, and she came home and practiced on us. And when she practiced on us, we, we all got saved, all three of us kids. And, but as I grew up in church, I grew up in the charismatic movement or what some refer to as the charismatic renewal. How many of you remember the charismatic movement? Okay, a few of you do. And when the charismatic movement, what happened was, I mean, this, this teaching of faith began uh, to happen. And this teaching of, you know, believe in God, that we could believe God. Let me, let me make it a little more simple. In the Bible, it talks about two different kingdoms. It talks about one kingdom where it says the kingdom of heaven. And then it talks about another kingdom. It says the kingdom of God. All right, let me, let me propose this to you. The kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is a system or a way of living. Okay, so, and the reason I say that was, you know, in the charismatic movement and, and the way I grew up, uh, healing was a part of that kingdom of God. It's a way of living. And so, and, and not just healing, but 
you know, uh, you know, you can expect to give, and it would be given back to you, Luke 6.38, you know, and, it, and you cast your bread on the water, it comes back to you on every wave. You know, that's one of the promises. So, so we began to learn about the promises of God, that there were all of these promises that God made to us. Well, as I got older, and I, you know, uh, came, turned into an adult and turned into, you know, where I became responsible for myself. And I began to realize, I, you know, I'm responsible for what I believe as well. Because your belief is so important. One of the reason that, reasons that Nicole and I, if we find, you know, like that we just had an election, right? And so we were talking to these different judges and we were asking them what they believe. And there's an important reason why we ask that is because you can say I'm, bi- I'm, I'm nonpartisan all day long, but what you believe is how you'll rule, okay? Um, it just is. And so it's not that, you know, I'm not knocking the partisan, the nonpartisan, you know, I'm, the Supreme Court is like that, but why do we try to put righteous judges who, are, who believe in the Constitution in the Supreme Court? Because that has everything to do with how they're going to make decisions. Well, as I was growing up, I, you know, I was beginning to think about, um, why do I believe these things? Why do I believe what I believe. And, you know, I, when, you're, when you're growing up, you need, you need good parents. You know, my parents taught me about church. They taught me about faith. They taught me about the Bible. Uh, I remember one time I got in trouble, and my mom, she made me sit down and read the Bible out loud where she could hear it with the tape player, so I had to keep up with the guy. And if I got too quiet, she would tell me, you need to read louder. And I would read louder. I mean, she looks like a really sweet woman, but I'm telling you, <laughs> she's... You know, you should have grown up at her house. And so she's got a tough side, you know. And, and I love you, Mom. And so, <laughs> she's not looking at me, is she? <laughs> so, but anyway, so, you know, but I came to a place in my life where I said, you know what? I'm not just going to believe this thing just because my pastor said it, just because my mom said it, just because of any other reason. I'm going to begin to take the Bible for myself I'm going to begin to open it up, and I'm going to take it at face value. And uh, recently, I was listening to Francis Chan speak, and I seriously doubt he's listening to this message. But if you are, I'm going to use one of your examples, okay? Just want you to know. And so, you know, I heard him talking about how he was like me. I, or I could identify with him, where he said, I took the Bible very literally. So I, when I read Mark eleven twenty three and 24 and found out that, man, by faith, I could move things. He said, I went to my bedroom and I got in front of my chair and I thought, I'm going to move some things. Closed the door. He said, and I began to look at the chair and say, man, I believe. I believe. He said, and the chair didn't move. He said, so I thought, I'm going to take something smaller, maybe a pen. Maybe I'm starting too big. I'm going to start with a pen. Like it's the force or something, and you're Luke Skywalker, you know. You're trying to move stuff with your faith. But he said, and, and nothing happened. I'm hearing a knock on the back door. I've never heard that before. It's Jesus wanting to come in here. Thank Send him around, guys. Yeah, so, so. So I'm so anyway I and and I thought I mean I could really identify with this because I remember praying for this guy and 
And I prayed for them, and I believed God. by. Don't look over here. Look at me. It's okay. They, they got it. They got it. But I'm believing by faith, and I, and I began to pray for this person. And I'm believing God for healing for them. And we pray a good prayer. And you know what? Nothing happened. And, I, and it's, it can be discouraging when you begin to pray you know, and you begin to believe what the Bible said because, man, I, I began to read about Jesus. And I'm jumping ahead of myself here just for a moment. But let me read, let me read this verse to you. It's a very familiar verse in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. It actually says this. It's, it's, our, it's our prayer. It's the Lord's prayer that he taught us. Let's say some of it together. Can you guys say the Lord's prayer with me? This is the New King James Version, so we'll try to muddle through here. Okay, you guys ready? Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop. We're starting a series today called On Earth as it is in heaven. Because this is how Jesus said to pray. Jesus said to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I read that and I went, oh my word. Really? I mean, because I've read some cool things about heaven. There's, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no blindness in heaven. There's no poor people in heaven. I mean, you know, and how many of you know, earth right now is not lining up to how it is in heaven. I mean, is it? Do we, have, we have a lot of sick people. Man, sometimes I drive down, I drive down the highway and I see all those medical facilities. Man, they're amazing. They've got these huge, nice buildings, expensive buildings. And, and, and I keep thinking to myself, man, it, it's how much we pay in medical fees that's paying for all this. Yeah. Man, imagine if we believed God, you know, and I thought, man, God, imagine if I believed you and this thing worked. Imagine how amazing it could be. Hospitals would be shutting down. Yeah. We'd be able to spend our money on something else other than health care. And I began to believe God, but it seemed like the more people I prayed for, the less people got healed. And I thought, man, God, what's going on? But as I began to read and I began to study, something began to happen. You know what it was? It was, it was Romans 10, 17. Faith began to grow inside of me because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing people teach about the kingdom of God. Man, and reading about it. And I began to read about it and faith, everything all right? You don't have to pull your gun out, right? Okay, good. And so, I mean, faith in me began to grow and it began to, man, it just began to increase. And I remember this one day, uh, I went to a men's retreat, which by the way, we're going to be, how many of you guys would want to have a men's retreat? Huh? All right. Come on, we're going to do that, only we'll call it an, ad, an advance or something. We don't retreat. we got to do something, call it something cool. But anyway, um, so, so, uh, so I'm at this men's, they, they actually called this thing a men's advance. I don't know if that's a cool enough name. We might have to come up with something cooler. But So I'm at this men's advance, and, they, and we're, no, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm at a men's breakfast, excuse me. <laughs> It was later that, it was late that next weekend we went to the men's advance. So anyway, so I'm at this men's breakfast and, and I'm there and, 
And so, you know, we're, this guy's teaching and it's really good and we're enjoying food and fellowship. And then we get in a circle at the end and I'm standing next to a guy that I don't know, I don't know it, but he has a tumor growing on the back of his neck and it's pretty good size. You can see it. And I don't know it at the time. And they said, and uh, anybody in prayer requests? This guy says, yeah, you know, I've got, you guys know my medical situation. You know, I'm dealing with a tumor and I'm believing God that it'll just dry up. And I'm not even paying attention hardly. And so the guy next to me, I mean, I am, but I'm just not, I'm, I didn't hear what he said. And this guy, the, the leader of the group says, he said, well, Pastor Phil, would you pray for him? Sure. You know, and I, I thought, man, I said, well, reach over here, you know, and I put my hand on him. And I'm telling you, I didn't pray a strong prayer. I wish I, you know, I thought about it later. I wish I could have had that one back. You know, because, man, when you pray faith prayers, man, they, are, they just sound like blood, sweat, and tears, you know, grind. And, I mean, it sounds like that LSU coach, you know, yelling at somebody. That's what it sounds like. And, I, man, I'm just, and, and, man, that's not what my prayer was like. And I was going, oh, dear God, this is, that was sad. You know, I remember even thinking about it later. Well, then the next weekend is the men's advance. So I show up to the men's advance. This guy comes running up to me. He said, Phil, you won't believe it. I said, what? He said, remember when you prayed for me at the men's breakfast? I said, yeah. He said, I got home that day, and I went like this, like I always do. And I, and I always felt the tumor. Tumor was completely gone. Well, faith began to grow. Faith began to grow. How many of you know faith grew in him that man all things are possible all things are possible but see we we not only live like i said in this physical realm because we live in a physical world everything that you see up here is physical you can you know you can touch it you can feel it you can taste it smell it you know we live in a physical world but how many of you know there's a spiritual world that we can't see and it's actually more real than this world that we're living in than this platform that I'm standing on than that chair that you're sitting in the spirit world is more real and the thing about it is is the spirit world actually dictates the natural world man you know, and the Bible tells us that we battle not against flesh and blood, but we, but we battle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, and, you know, and, and those are the things that we're battling against. But let me say this to you. If we continue to do battle in the natural realm and fight only in the natural, we're going to lose. You're going to lose if you fight in the natural if somebody comes and they come up to you and they curse you out, you shouldn't be offended. You should do battle in the spirit realm. God, I thank you. You're blessing that guy. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that I don't know what's going on with him, but I just pray over him. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would comfort him, whatever's going on. You know, we fight in the spirit realm. Man, but these are things I had to, 
man, I had to walk through personally. These are things, you know, as I was growing up that I had to, I had to decide that I'm, I'm not going to believe this because my mom taught it. I'm thankful that my mom taught it. My dad taught it. And I'm thankful that I grew up in an amazing church. Let me tell you, I grew up at Victory Tulsa. And man, we had everybody come and preach there. Man, we had Lester Summerall. We had Norville Hayes. We had Kenneth Copeland. We had Kenneth Hagin. We had Oral Roberts. I mean, if you want to talk about generals in the faith today, they, came, they, they all came to our church and taught us faith. And I thought, dear God, I had no excuse in my life. I should be this, I should be an amazing faith giant after sitting under people like that coming and teaching. And by the way, I felt, I, I felt a little sad yesterday because I missed an opportunity because I felt like a king died, a priest, a major general in the faith. And I, I never even mentioned his name. And I said, God, I repent. And I'm going to mention him this morning because, you know, I felt like there was all this praise and adoration and, and glory being given to, you know, a celebrity dying. But we didn't give any honor to the man of God, Reinhard Bonnke, that went home to be with the Lord, who documented 72 million salvations. Man, I was online last night. I was watching every video I could get my hands on of Reinhard Bonnke, every tribute and every story. And I just said, God, help us to do, help me to do better next time. Colossians 3 2 says this Set your mind on things above and not of the things of the earth. Why? Because God doesn't want you so naturally minded that you're no spiritual good, okay? He wants you spiritually minded so that you can do war the way that you need to, so that we can do war the way that we need to. So with that in mind, would you turn in your Bibles over to Mark chapter 5? Mark chapter 5. Because, so why do so many struggle? Because I've met a lot of people that they've come to a place in their life that, that what they see in the Word of God, some of that, you know, well, that, you know, that was good, but that was for then. That was for when Jesus was alive. You know, I mean, he was the Son of God. You know, I mean, I'm talking about these are people's reasoning. And, you know, and they reason this. Why, why do some people struggle? with these promises that God has for us. And I'm not just talking about healing. I mean, I'm talking about the whole smorgasbord. Everything that God, everything that Jesus wanted us to have, he paid for so that we could have it. But why do some people struggle in this area? You know, a lot of it has to do with faith. A lot of it has to do with the fact that, that Lord, should I say it? Just help me say it the way you want me to. See, what you feed on feeds your spirit. It doesn't just feed your natural man. It feeds your spirit. We sang that song, this is my story, this is my song. Well, that is, that, how many of you know that's not everybody's story? That's not everybody's song. Why? Because of what they feed on, what they allow to come in to their heart through the gates of their eyes, their ears, you know. And it's not about, are you a pessimist? I, I, I saw this meme. It says, the pessimist thinks the glass is half empty. The optimist thinks the glass is half full. The Christian says, my cup runs over. Jesus, come on. 
Man, my cup runs over, dear God. Thank you, Lord. All right, Matthew. I, well, anyway, but it's, it's faith. And it's not just the faith of the person. I used to think, you know, it's the faith of the person that I'm praying for. I remember this one guy had cancer and he asked me to come and pray for him. And I went and prayed for him and, and, and nothing happened the first day. And then a couple days went by and he got word to me because I, I, didn't, I didn't have his contact information. And we were talking to each other kind of through a friend of his. And the friend of his uh, said, said, he's ready for you to come back. He wants you to come back to the hospital. I said, okay, I'll come, I'll come today. And so I went back to the hospital and I prayed with him again. Well, that time I got to lead him to Jesus. I had to pray with him to receive Jesus. What happened? A transition in his faith. But I used to think that it, it's all the person. That they need to have faith. And I've got to somehow establish faith in him. But what I've realized is it's, it's a much broader faith than that. My faith. Man, I, I love what Todd White said. Hey, I, you know, I don't. I don't believe in healing. That's okay. I don't need you to believe. I just need you to stand still. You know, I love that. Because, because what he's saying is, I've got faith for this. I can believe God for this. You know, and, and man, we can believe God. We can use our faith. But, but it's helpful to have everyone's faith. Because I be, and anyway, well, let, let's get into this a little more, okay? Are you there in Mark chapter 5? Because you brought your Bible, right? It's not one of those deals where you can't find your Bible, right? Let me get over there with you. Meaning you're bringing it to church. Because, man, it's always important to bring your Bible to church. Mark chapter 5. Let's look at verse 25. It says this. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Man, that's a long time. That's a long time to be bleeding. And she had suffered many things from many physicians... And she'd spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And then immediately her fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed from the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out from him, he turned around and he said to the crowd, who touched me? And his disciples said, everyone. They're all touching you, Jesus. In verse 32, he looked around and, and, he, and he saw to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing, trembled. And knowing what had, been, what had happened to her, she came and fell down before him. And she told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. So I want to talk to you for a moment about three things that this, woman, that this woman did. This actually, first part of this series is called, this message is called See It. See It. So I want to talk about three things that this woman did so that she could see it on the inside. Because you have to see it on the inside before you can have it on the outside, right? The first thing that she said, notice that she said back in that, in that verse, in verse 27, she, it says that when she heard about Jesus. She hasn't seen him on video. She hasn't experienced this live. All she knows is that she's heard something about Jesus. Somebody told her he heals people. And she believed it. 
She took it. She received that and said, wait a minute. I can be healed. So the number one thing that she needed and that we need is childlike faith, right? So here's my question for you, is who do you say that he is? Because who you say Jesus is, is who he becomes in your life. Well, you know, Pastor Phil, I don't, I don't know. You know, sometimes God does and some, you never know with God. Well, that's who he is to you. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been believing God for a couple years now and I haven't seen it happen, so I guess it's not God's will to heal me. Is that who you want to say he is? Is this making sense? Man, who do you say he is? That's who he becomes. I, I saw a meme uh, on somewhere. I saw this meme, and I mean, there's so many social media things, platforms that I, I never know. But I saw this one that said, um, if you take the word go, and you put it before the word disable, it's God is able. Man. And so I want to read to you, I heard this story about a guy named Roger Crawford. And I'm reading this book. This is, a, this is John Maxwell. It's pretty beat up because I bought it at a thrift store. We like to go to thrift stores and go to the book section and get our books. And anyway... So I've read the story, and I just said, so John, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm going to read you out of your book here, because uh, I believe it'll help some people. But I read the story about uh, Roger Crawford. By the way, this book's called Failing Forward. It's one of the best books I, I think I've read in a while. And anyway, so I'm going to read it, because John just did a great job telling this story. So his name is Roger Crawford, and he makes a living as a consultant public speaker. He's written two books, travels all across the country, working for Fortune 500 companies um, and uh, national state associations and school districts. Those aren't bad credentials, but if you're not impressed with that, before he became a consultant, he was a varsity tennis player for a university, and later he became a professional tennis player certified by the United States Professional Tennis Association. Still not impressed? Well, would you change your opinion if I told you that Roger has no hands and only one foot, one leg? That's pretty impressive. So Roger Crawford, he was born with, a, with this condition, um, and I'm not going to try and say it to you, um, but he was born with a condition. And when he emerged from his mother's womb, his doctor saw that he had a thumb-like projection extending from his right forearm and a thumb and finger growing out of his left forearm. He had no palms. His legs and his arms were shortened, and his left leg possessed a, uh, a shrunken foot with only three toes. That foot was later amputated. Uh, when he turned five years old. Various medical professionals told Roger's parents that he would never be able to walk, probably would not be able to take care of himself, and would never lead a normal life. After recovering from the shock, Roger's parents were determined to give him the best chance possible for living a normal life. They raised him to feel loved, to be strong, and to develop independence. You're only, I loved what his father said here, you're only as handicapped as you want to be. When he was old enough, uh, they sent him to regular public schools. They got him involved in sports. They encouraged him to do everything he, that he desired, and they taught him to think positively. 
Surely my parents never did. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry. Something my parents never did was allow me to feel sorry for myself or to take advantage of people because of my handicap, observes Roger. Roger appreciated the encouragement and the training he received from his parents, but I don't think he really understood the significance or the extent of, his, of these achievements until he, was, until he went to college and he interacted with someone who wanted to meet him. He had received a phone call from a man who had read all about his tennis victories, and Roger agreed to meet with him at a nearby restaurant. When Roger stood up to shake hands with the man, he discovered that the other guy had hands that were almost identical to his. Roger became excited because he thought he, was, he had found someone similar to him, but older and who could be a mentor but after talking with the stranger for only a few minutes he realized he was wrong roger explains instead what i found was someone who was bitter pessimistic an attitude who blamed all of life's disappointments and failures on his anatomy i soon recognized that our lives and attitudes could have been more different it couldn't have been more different excuse me he had never held a job for long. He was sure that it was because of discrimination, certainly not because, as he admitted, he constantly was late, frequently absent, and failed to take responsibility for his work. His attitude was, the world owes me. The problem was, the world did not agree. He was even angry with me because I didn't share his despair. We kept in touch for several, year, several years until it dawned on me that even if some miracle were suddenly to give him a perfect body, his unhappiness and lack of success wouldn't change. He would still be at the same place in his life. Why? Because that's where his faith is. Does that make sense? Okay. So... Here's a key characteristic of childlike faith is the ability to believe in the impossible. The ability to believe the impossible. If, if you ever talk to a child, they just, they believe anything is possible. Anything. And, and parents, you know, encourage that. When you grow up, you can be anything. Well, is that true if you're going to be five foot six and 100 pounds? Can you be an NBA basketball player? Maybe. I, I mean, you'd be outside shooter. That would be your, you know, because you couldn't guard anybody. I mean, I mean, possibly. But anyway, but, but people believe in the, kids believe in the possible. I remember when I was a kid and uh, my cousins were quite a bit older than me. So they were almost, you know, like uncle ages. And, and my one uncle, he took a deck of cards and he said, he said, come here, Phil, you want to play a game? And I was so excited. I said, yeah, I want to play a game. And he said, okay, we're going to play a game called 52-card pickup. How many of you have ever played 52-card pickup? All right. Did you play it more than once? Yes? Okay, I feel sorry for you. We'll talk later. But all right, this isn't a game you play more than once. And I said, yeah, I want to play that game. And he took the deck of cards, and guess what he did? I mean, they went everywhere. I believed him. But you know what happened? After that, I didn't believe him again. What are you feeding your faith with? Is it causing your faith to no longer believe because you're basing it on experiences? Because I found in my own life that, that I, I was tempted to base what I believed on my experiences. And my experiences didn't always line up with what God's word says. 
How many of you have ever found that to be true? Okay. Uh, That if God said it, then I have a responsibility to bring my faith up to believe it instead of bring God's level down and explain all the reasons why God didn't do this, God didn't do this, God didn't heal this, God didn't take care of this. Man, I want to read that same verse, Romans 10, 17, out of the Good News Translation. I love how it reads. It says, so then, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message comes through the preaching of Christ. Number two is visualize the victory. This lady visualized the victory. She says, you can't, see, you can't be what you can't see. The only way to receive it is to first see it. You guys don't know it, but in me, I've, I've been seeing this whole setup, this whole thing that we've got going with Vision Church ever since I started, we started. I visualized when I came in the back there that we had, man, we had pipe and drape and we had a nice stage and we had a beautiful sound system. We had amazing worship team that would lead people and God I saw that first and it was it's been a year it's taken a year for this to happen but when we hold on to things and we continue to keep the vision in front of us at home now I I started a vision board because I had a vision journal but I realized that even though I opened it every day I needed it up in front of me constantly where I could see it and man, I, man, I've got vision hanging on there. I've got an Indian, India uh, picture is getting ready to go up. So I, did, I didn't know about the India opportunity when I said that. But man, I'm so, so thankful. I loved what Dodie Osteen said. You know, she was given three weeks to live with cancer. Um, and, and they basically sent her home to die. And she said, every time I went... and looked in the bathroom mirror, all I saw was death. And she said, I knew I needed to change the image on the inside of me. And so I took, she found pictures of herself when she was healthy and vibrant and beautiful and had her hair done. And she stuck those pictures all over the mirror because she had to change the image that was on there. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, huh? And the third thing that she did was she, she did this. She was willing to risk everything. See, in Leviticus, if you go back and you read Leviticus 15, you'll find out that a woman who has a problem with bleeding, that is bleeding constantly, she becomes an unclean woman. And she has to let everybody know that she's unclean. And so, you know, people can't touch her. They can't touch the bed that she slept on. They can't sit in the place where she has sat because of that. And so she had to take a risk to get the reward. What are you willing to risk? Are you willing to risk looking a little foolish? And sometimes, you know, we sit down and we pray over our meal every time we go out and eat somewhere. We always do. And Nicole and I, this past weekend, we ate lunch at Olive Garden. And there was a sweet lady that was serving us. She was so sweet. And I thought, God, I thank you 
I, I, you know, I've, I've been praying a lot lately. I said, Lord, I just pray that our congregation, that our family, our church family would be risk takers. Newsmakers, not news reporters. Risk takers, amen. And so she's so sweet, man. And she's taking great care of us. Man, we never had to ask her to fill anything up. I mean, she brought, you know, how, how many of you like this? I don't know if I'm saying it right. Zupa Toscana, the, the, you know, we got the soup and the, and the salad, man. And I mean, it's full, overflowing with, you know, sausage and, and kale in there. And man, it was just so good. I was, and I thanked her. I said, thank you for filling this up. Because the last time I was here, I got mostly broth, you know. It's like two pieces of, you know, kale in there. I was like, thanks. Is this the bottom or? Anyway, and so, I mean, you know, and I, and I thanked her. And I just said, you're doing such a great job. And I said, you know, I know you're serving people all the time. Do you ever have pain in your body from serving? She goes, yeah, I had two discs right here in my neck that are pinching me. I said, well, I said, well Jesus can heal that. you mind if I pray for you? I said, could I, have your, can I see your hand? She goes, yeah. She said, thank you. So, man, we prayed for her and just bless her. We gave her a tip that was more than our meal. We just wanted to be a blessing to her. But, but are you, but I mean, but we're standing there, we're praying. I don't think about it now, but there was a time where it, it was not comfortable for me to hold somebody's hand to pray for them in a restaurant where other people could look at me. I mean, I'm just being truthful. That's not how it is now, but I mean, there was a time that that was a big deal. But you know what? If I don't risk something, where's the reward for her? Man. So here, here's one of my last scriptures here because I think I have another one. Isaiah 53, 5. I want to read it to you out of the NLT. Can I? But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole, and he was whipped so that we could be healed. So I have a question for you. If Jesus doesn't want us healed, why pay the price? I mean, why? Why pay what it costs if you didn't want your people to have that? You say, Phil, I've stood for a long time. I just haven't seen it yet. Well, I just read about a woman that stood for 12 years. Have you stood for 12 years? I don't, need, I don't see any hands. Having done all to stand, the Bible says, what do we do? We stand. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So I want to encourage you this morning in this. Know a couple of things. One, in Numbers 23.19, it says that God is not a man that he would lie. He doesn't lie. That's the devil. So whenever you hear something that's contrary to what God said, know it's coming from the devil. It's not coming from God, right? And then in John 14, 12, it says, Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do and even greater miracles than these because I go to my father in heaven 
man. Why would he say that? Why would he say that if he didn't want us to do the same miracles that he did and then to do even greater miracles? Man, he didn't just say, you you can do the same thing. If we can do the same things that Jesus did, that's spectacular. That is spectacular. Would you stand up with me this morning? You remember, you remember a guy by the name of R.W. Shambach? How many of you remember a guy by the name of R.W. Shambach? I remember one time he had a guy die, literally, in his, in his crusade. He had, he had this ma- massive tent. And let me tell you, their band, man, they ran, I think, like 96 dB. They were just, they would rip paint on the walls, man. It was just so loud. It was so good. <laughs> so, okay, we don't run at that, all right? Some of you that are wondering, we run way below that. Uh, but anyway... But so, he, so he's ministering, man, and this guy right here, he falls down dead in his service. What do you do when somebody falls down dead in your service? Well, he came off the platform. He ran down. He said, I've read in the Bible where it says, these signs will follow him, them who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we just read that Jesus said that you'll do the same miracles that I did. How many of you know Jesus raised a couple people from the dead? So he said, he, he said, I went down there. I laid my hands on him. I prayed for him. And then he told his ushers, he said, carry him around back. <laughs> and they laid him down back, in, back behind the tent. And he kept preaching. There was no change in the natural. But see, we're not supposed to put our eyes on the natural. We're supposed to put our eyes in the spirit we're supposed to keep our eyes up here not down here right dragged him around he said he preached man gave an altar call he's praying for people believing God uh, leading them to the Lord praying for healing in people's bodies he said you know what this guy back here he woke up and he sat up he thought why am I back here behind the tent he said I thought I was sitting inside and he came back around he didn't realize that he had died Okay, so here's, what I, here's where I'm going with this. Is in a moment, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to do something for me. Not, not for me, for you. And, and here's what I'd like to do. I want them to sing that promise song again. Okay, all the promises of God are yes and amen. So be it. I mean, God is saying, it is. My, he said, when you come to me with my promise, the answer, it's Yes. It's already yes. It's always yes. And it's so be it, meaning he's decreeing it. He's declaring it. So be it. So I'm going to have them sing this song. But here's what I want you to do for me, for you, sorry, um, is this. Is I'm going to invite every person that's dealing with a physical issue, dealing with a mental issue, dealing with an emotional issue, dealing with uh, a financial issue, whatever it is, I, w- I would like you to come down here to the front of the platform we're going to worship God because let me tell you worship is the key to breakthrough man you're you're creating an environment when you worship God man that environment is coming that's why soak on Mondays is amazing man we sit in there and the presence of God just fills our house I mean it is so amazing 
And that's what's going to happen here this morning is we're going to get down here on our faces or, or, or hands lifted or whatever posture that you wind up in. But we're going to worship God to this song. And then we're going to lay hands on each other and pray for each other. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.